They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are... Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling! This is the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am Chad, and as always, I am joined by my tag team partner, primetime John Paz. John, how you doing? Ooh, pretty good, Chad. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing awesome. And tonight, we are going to talk about how Ring of Honor Wrestling celebrates its 13th anniversary this coming Sunday, March 1st, 2015, live and on pay-per-view, the 13th anniversary show live from the Orleans Hotel and Casino. And in the main event, it's a high-stakes four-corner survival match for the Ring of Honor World Championship as champion Jay Briscoe battles unbreakable Michael Elgin, the Warbeard Hansen, and our guest tonight, the former Ring of Honor television champion, the Sicilian psychopath Tommaso Ciampa. John, what are your reflections and thoughts on our talk with Tommaso Ciampa? Uh, it was great to talk to him. He gave a lot of good, long uh, answers for us. He gave a lot of good information, really got in-depth about his history with Hanson and his history in Ring of Honor. Uh, basically, you know, we went through his career and the highlights, uh, and it was awesome to get to talk to uh, Champa. The insights were fantastic. His uh, analysis of things going on in and around Ring of Honor were fantastic, and I think it's a true testament to Ring of Honor as a promotion to have a guy such as Champa be such a great representative that he can really not only portray the star that he is, but when he gets in the ring, he also delivers. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think this Sunday, live and only on pay-per-view, he will deliver in the main event and possibly come out as the next Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion. There are a lot of questions. There are a lot of contenders. But we can only tune in, I guess, and find out exactly what's going to happen. So stay tuned. Tommaso Ciampa with the two-man power trip of wrestling. And you can check out uh, Ciampa on Twitter at Project Ciampa, C-I-A-M-P-A, Project Ciampa. John, before we throw it to the interview, any final thoughts? Just going to make a little prediction here. I think we might see a new Ring of Honor world champ, and it could be. With us on the line tonight is Ring of Honor superstar and the Sicilian psychopath, Tommaso Ciampa. Tommaso, welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man. Thank you guys for having me tonight. Let's get right into it. This Sunday, live and only on pay-per-view, Ring of Honor Wrestling celebrates its 13th anniversary. Live from Las Vegas, Nevada, at the Orleans Hotel and Casino, you have a huge main event that night for the World Championship of ROH, going against champion Jay Briscoe, 
handsome and unbreakable Michael Elgin. Huge match, huge show. Can you talk about the pay-per-view on Sunday? Yeah, man, uh, you know, you nailed it on the head. It's, it's just uh, the whole event. It's such a mega event uh, from top to bottom. The card is just stacked. Uh, clearly, myself, uh, the biggest opportunity of my life, you know, to this point in wrestling. So, uh, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's one day, you know, you're getting surgery and you're, you're rummaging around doing independent shows and, the next day you're kind of waking up and you're, it's, it's just trying to realize that it's all happening and trying to live in it and uh, appreciate every moment and every opportunity because sometimes I don't know how I got to this point, but it's it's pretty awesome that I'm here. Now, can you talk about your opponents in the match? You Obviously the champion, you got Jay Briscoe, then you got Warbeard Hanson, who you know quite well, and then you got Michael Elgin. Yeah, yeah Hanson and I, uh, you know, I think, as this main event was announced and as we're getting closer to it, people seem to be getting a little bit more familiar with our background. Uh, we've known each other, you know, since I started in the business uh, my first time ever in a ring, uh, Hanson was in a ring too. Uh, that's 10 years back, you know, so he started a couple of years before me. Uh, he, he really had a hand in getting me started, you know, getting me on my first shows and everything. Uh, so we're, we're real close friends outside the ring. Uh, tons and tons of respect for him inside the ring. Uh, I was real happy when Ring of Honor took a shot on him, and I, I just knew that it would only be a matter of time that he would make his way up the ranks, and that's exactly what he's done. So I'm excited that I get to share the ring with him for such a big big event uh, and big match. And it also helps me because, you know, he is relatively new to Ring of Honor, and I don't know that Michael Elgin and Jay Briscoe are quite as prepared for him as they could be or should be. Whereas for myself, you know, I, I know Hanson inside and out. So that, that definitely helps me. Uh, moving to a guy like Michael Elgin. Elgin's like that thorn in my side, man. Uh, for some reason, I can't seem to beat him. Uh, if you go back to our history, you know, ring and, uh, whether it's in Ring of Honor or elsewhere, uh, every time we faced one another, he's he's had one up on me. And uh, that's something that I definitely keep in the back of my mind, uh, hoping that I can put an end to that streak this weekend. And uh, Jay Briscoe, you know, I don't think that guy needs any introduction. Everybody knows what he's capable of. Uh, first match ever in Ring of Honor history. Here we are at the 13th anniversary. He's the, the main event. He's the world champ. You know, he's as tough as they come. So uh, I'm just, I'm excited for the matchup. You know, I feel like uh, everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses. And uh, in this specific type of match where it's a four-way, uh, a lot of it's going to depend on uh, your mental game and how you're prepared for this match. Now, I would have to say, I think this is probably the biggest show in Ring of Honor history, and you're going on in possibly the biggest main event in Ring of Honor history. Do you feel an extra added pressure there that you're going, um, you know, all out for the world title on a, on the big stage? Uh, I don't, I don't know that I feel uh, extra pressure to be honest. Uh, this is what we do, you know, uh, and that goes for everybody in this match and really on the show, you know, you train your, your entire life for opportunities like this and moments like this. And, you know, if this was five years ago or, or more, I definitely would. I think the nerves would be a lot higher. Uh, but every experience that I've had over the last five years with Ring of Honor, 
uh, you know, going overseas and uh, holding the Ring of Honor television title. Uh, all that stuff has has played a big part in preparing me for moments like this. So at the end of the day, man, when the bell rings, whether the title's on the line or not, or, or whether it's a pay-per-view or, or, you know, a house show or when the bell rings, it's professional wrestling, you know? So I, I know how to do that. I know how to fight. I, I know, I don't know. It, it, it's weird. It's hard to explain. It's just one of those things where, you know, you might get pre-match jitters, but once that bell rings, it's like, you're just, you're just going to work, you know? And, and I feel very confident in my abilities right now. I feel like right now specifically, uh, I don't know that. I don't think I've ever been in such a groove uh, in the ring. Uh, a lot of times things kind of move in slow motion for me out there. And uh, I'm really hoping that that aids me quite a bit in this four-way. Yeah, you are on quite a roll as of late. And to be honest, in my opinion, this is the best and not maybe maybe not the biggest, but in my opinion, this is the best pay-per-view that anybody can buy in, in the month of March. So ROH pay-per-view in Las Vegas, this is going to be the best pay-per-view in March. Yeah, man, just as a fan, uh, it's it's hard not to get excited. You know, it's one of those things where, uh, it's you know, obviously I'll, I'll have to watch it back. I don't know that I'll catch much of it live that night, but I, I wish I could. I wish I could watch the whole thing. I mean, ACH and AJ is a match that uh, I've been wanting to see ever since AJ kind of made his return to Ring of Honor. Uh, I love ACH. I have tons of respect for his work ethic and uh, what a stage for for him. You know, and looking at Jay Lethal and the run he's on right now and taking on uh, El Patron, it's like there's just so many classic matches, you know, Red Dragon and Bucks, which always finds a way to steal a show when it's on. It's just, it's uh, the competition right now in the company is just through the roof. And, you know, they just announced today that Samoa Joe's on his way back in. And it's just like, every time you think like, oh man, uh, they're on a roll. There's no way they're going to top that. They top it. And it's just one of those things where it's, you know, right place, right time. And uh, I'm so happy to be in this spot that I'm in right now because even, you know, the pay-per-view is one thing, but even beyond that, like, this next few months in Ring of Honor is just set up for something real special. Yeah, without a doubt, and that actually kind of takes me to what I was going to uh, touch on about the fact that Ring of Honor debuted on pay-per-view uh, last June in 2014, and uh, to see, you know, over your progression uh, throughout the, the pay-per-views that have aired so far, and now that you're in the world title match, uh, tell us what getting to pay-per-view with Ring of Honor and to your match on uh, on this Sunday, is that the path that you saw yourself uh, getting on, that you, you basically have had a big role at each pay-per-view, but now here you are on the biggest stage? Yeah, man, you know, I, I haven't, I don't know that I have had a big role on every pay-per-view. I mean, the first pay-per-view, uh, I opened the show, but, I mean, there wasn't a lot of hype for that match going in. You know, it was one of those matches that... Uh, you know, it's uh, it's there to to get the crowd excited, and it has its purpose. But it, it wasn't, there was nothing really at stake, I'd say. Uh, and at final battle, I kind of moved my way up a little bit uh, with with a match with Michael Elgin. Uh, but even then, you know, it, everything was so distorted with the suspension and, and things with Nigel and zero tolerance policy and all that. So. I don't know. I, I still feel like there's kind of a cloud over me. And I feel like right now this is probably the the 
the by far the best position I've ever been in as far as a Ring of Honor pay per view goes. But even in my career in Ring of Honor, like this is uh, this is the best place I could have possibly be at this at this moment, and it is something that. Uh, that I envisioned and I probably envisioned it happening sooner than it did. Uh, but hindsight, maybe it's a good thing that it took so long to, to climb the ranks. Uh, because, you know, like I said earlier, it's like every experience you get, it, it only aids you. And, uh, as much as I wanted to be main eventing, uh, ring of honor shows two, three years ago, going on these recent trips, you know, to Germany and to, to England, uh, that that only helps, and every time I get out there in front of a Ring of Honor crowd, I don't know, man. I just I feel much more prepared now. And uh, while I wish I was main eventing the first pay per view in Nashville, I, I think maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing that Las Vegas is my first time to really be center stage and really shine because I'm as prepared as I possibly could be for it. Yeah, and you uh, you just touched on before possibly a look at Ring of Honor pay-per-view in the future. Uh, and if you were on Twitter tonight, you saw you posted a, uh, a hashtag of uh, Champa versus Joe. And uh, you mentioned Joe coming back to Ring of Honor. What does that do for the locker room and Joe's impact in coming back to an organization that he is such a major part of its history? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I don't, uh, I don't follow the Twitter thing as much as others do. I would assume that nearly everybody on the roster tweeted something similar to some extent. Uh, that's just a guess. Uh, how could you not want to get in the ring with Joe? You know, when I was starting in, in wrestling, you know, doing the independent scene, that's one of those guys you looked at and you were like, man, uh, how do I get there? How do I, how do I get to his spot? Uh, and I've never been in the ring with him. And uh, I've come close a couple times on independent shows, but it's never never quite worked out. So it's one of those things, uh, man, I would love for it to happen. Uh, and, you know, I'm excited. I don't know. I can't speak for the whole locker room. I, I'm excited for him returning. I can't imagine anybody not being. Uh, it's, it's just it, it's taken one of the guys who really was a cornerstone of the company. And I, I would guess he feels like he has a lot to prove right now. I would guess he's coming in very motivated and very hungry. Um, so, yeah, man, there's a lot of dream matches having Joe back in the in the swing of things. And it sounds like in March already they've committed a few dates to him. Uh, I think it was Baltimore and Milwaukee, Chicago, and uh, the one in California. So there's going to be a lot of great matchups for him. Um, I'm hoping I'm one of them uh, because, like, Joe has a lot to prove right now. I'm in the same exact position Uh you know, not only do I want to win the world title, but there's still so many guys I've, I haven't faced one-on-one. And, you know, AJ's coming up March 7th and throw Joe into that mix, and there's so many more. And, uh, yeah, man, it, it's just it's great for business. It really is. Yeah, you're talking about Samoa Joe, and him and Loki, you know, about 13 years ago, basically set a new standard for violence within Ring of Honor in one of their matches. And I feel like you and Michael Elgin back at Best in the World 2013, I feel like you guys almost did that again. That match, stiff, hard-hitting. What are your memories of that match, and what do you think about setting a new standard for violence? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I believe you're talking about the one in Baltimore, which was right yes. yep. right after I returned from knee surgery. Uh, so that, was, that kind of meant a lot to me in, in a different way, more on a personal level, just because uh, – 
there was a lot of you know people talking and clamoring that I was coming back too soon for my knee surgery. Uh, no way I was ready. And you know, you hear it all, you read it all, you see it, and uh, you try not to let it, it bother you or feed into you or anything. But of course, it's there. You know, you're you're aware of it. And uh, I just viewed that match with Elgin, who was really uh, at that time. I mean, he was just on top of his game. Uh, he was just, and he was on fire. He really was, and more so even than he is now. You know, he was just in a zone at that point. And I just viewed that as here's an opportunity to to shock people and to shut up a lot of critics. You know, when you're sitting on the sideline for nearly nine months, uh, you watch a lot of film, you think a lot, you visualize a lot. You know, it's it's uh, it's like a lonely road coming back. So all you keep thinking of is how you want that opportunity to shine and to prove yourself. And that's really what I viewed that match as for myself. Uh, I don't know that I ever thought of it or compared it to something like a Samoa Joe low-key match. Um, it's just, it's different. You know, Ring of Honor is different now than it was 10 years ago. It's a, it's a whole different animal. Uh, I would say it's different from in-ring and out-of-ring, you know, uh, the, the broadcast, you know, being owned by Sinclair and being on television and doing pay-per-views and stuff, it's just such a bigger stage than it's ever been in the past. And, uh, you know, while the roster's always been great, right now the roster's just, it, it's terrific. And I won't say it's better or worse than it was 10 years ago, but it's just different. The athleticism is different. The, the whole game of pro wrestling is different now. So, uh, I don't know. I don't ever go out there thinking I'm going to reinvent the wheel or that I'm going to be, you know, the, the the strong style guy of the company. I just go out there and do what what I'm best at doing. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a very intense competitor, uh, and I I think that's just I just kind of play to my strengths. That's my strength. Uh, it'd be silly for me to go out there and try to fly around and compete with those guys because that's not that's not what I'm good at. You know, I'm, I'm good at Smash Mouth wrestling and. Uh, that's exactly what Joe's good at too. So hopefully uh, he'll be a great test for me to see exactly where I stand. Oh, it's definitely, uh, definitely got the, the pallets uh, wet of every ring of honor fan out there. Just thinking of all the different combinations that are, uh, are out there in 2015. But if we could, if we could just take a step back and could you just touch on how you got into, uh, into the business and where you trained and uh, how that all got started for you? Yeah. Uh, you know, I guess it was kind of two parts to getting into it. Uh, first of all, I lived uh, in Boston, and I was right down the road from Killer's Old School in Malden, Mass. Uh, and I, I remember finding out about it. I don't know how I found out about it, but I did, and I went to the school, and I was still in high school, and, you know, Killer at that time was going to close shop, and he was going to move down to North Andover with a company called Chaotic. They had a Chaotic Training Center at the time, so... That was kind of my first initial start, but it really wasn't, you know, I would go to the classes and watch, but I didn't really participate in anything. I would sit with Killer. I only went a dozen or so times, and he kept saying to me, you know, you're young, finished high school, then come in and sign up. So that was, you know, I was probably uh, my junior summer, possibly. And then after graduating high school, I knew I wanted to wrestle. I didn't really know how to get started. Uh, I wasn't a big internet person. I wasn't an independent wrestling fan. I didn't even know what independent wrestling was, to be honest. I was a, a WWF, WCW, um, occasional ECW guy. And uh, when I got out of high school, it just it was happenstance that I was at a gym where a guy named Arch Kincaid uh, was doing his training. 
and he had this reverse bleach blonde mohawk, real super dark tan, you know, from the from the creams and oils and stuff. And you could just see him at the gym, and you just knew this guy was a little different. You know, there's, there's going to be something going on with him. So uh, I just approached him, and in conversation, found out that he was wrestling at the time. And uh, that's really how it started for me. You know, he introduced me to the Chaotic Training Center and uh, kind of got my foot in the door. Uh, went to one of their, like, weekend seminars, and uh, I just I never stopped from that point on. You know, it's like it's one of those things where, you know, I, I loved it my whole life growing up, and uh, I just got lucky that when I got in the ring, you know, that love was only strengthened, you know, where some guys, I think, they get in the ring, and it's they take their first few bumps, and they're like, yeah. This isn't quite for me. For me, it's you know, I've always been a very physical person, so it just it really clicked real well for me right from the get go. Yeah, it seems as if uh, chaotic wrestling has a heck of an influence right now on uh, on Ring of Honor and some of the guys that are, uh, are currently on the roster, including uh, like you had said earlier, Hanson, uh, who's in the match with you this Sunday, and also uh, Dijak, who's uh, up and comer on the Ring of Honor roster. Uh, but talk about can you talk about some of your influences? Uh, while you were training and guys that you definitely would go to and watch uh, tapes of or anybody specifically you would want to uh, pattern yourself after while you were training? Uh, I don't know how many times, uh, you know, I I think I probably steal from tons of guys. Um, And I think a lot of it comes subconsciously. I I don't know that I've, it's strange for me. I was actually talking about this with somebody the other day, uh, what I loved as a fan growing up a lot of times was uh, guys like Shawn Michaels or even Bret Hart and uh, Macho Man, Randy Savage. Like It was these colorful guys who, uh, you know, would mix in some flying to their arsenal and were very super charismatic. And honestly, they, it, it's a different, uh, the, the style that I loved growing up is, is a lot different than what I actually do in the ring uh, because I just found out really early in my career that while I love some of these guys and the acrobatics that they do, that's just not me. It's just, you know, it's, it's forced. Uh, it's not my comfort zone. And so then once I started training and started to kind of get a handle on who I was as a performer, I think I shifted gears a little bit to like, you know, watching guys like William Regal or, um, you know, dare I say Crispin Law, but just watching in-ring technicians who were a little more in your face. Uh, and, you know, then over the years, I think you all of a sudden, when, the more you get into wrestling, more you become consumed with it and start to get into the history of it more. And, like, all of a sudden you start to watch, like, uh, World of Sport, and I like Rollerball Rocco. And so, I don't know. Like, it's uh, the, the field of guys that I watch is so wide, especially with things like the WB network out there and stuff and YouTube. It's just like everything you could possibly want is right at your fingertips. A lot of times uh, it's like, I kind of have two purposes of watching wrestling. If I want to be entertained, I'll throw in a, you know, a generic match or or watch a Bushi or something because I think they're just amazing. Um, But if I want to kind of watch something and try to, to gain a little bit more for my own repertoire, then I'm going to watch somebody who is a little bit more similar to my style. Now, before you had mentioned Hanson and your history with him, could you just go into a little bit more in depth? You said that um, you know, one of your first matches, you guys were basically in the ring together, and you guys have a history in chaotic wrestling. Can you just go into a little bit more in depth about your history with Hanson? 
Yeah, man. It's uh, so when I started wrestling, uh, he was. I don't know that he was the trainer at the school at that point at all, but he was definitely one of the top students. So we had a really tough, uh, tough training style. Uh, Coach Mike Hollow was our, our lead trainer, which was one of Killer's guys, and uh, it was super heavy duty conditioning. You know, a lot of a lot of bumps, a lot of squats. Like we were we were that class of guys that was doing 500 hinge squats a day to warm up, or we would run you know two laps around the building, which I don't know, a mile and a half, two miles or so to warm up, hit the ropes for three minutes and stuff. So Hanson, uh, it's, it's one of those things, it's kind of like a football team, you know, when you go through uh, two-a-days, three-a-days and stuff, you build this this sense of respect for one another and a bond. And because we went through all of that together, that, that's where it all came from, you know, and it all started. Uh, we would get to class early every day you know we, we train tuesday thursday saturday sunday and we get there you know a good hour hour and a half early and for a while we would just be sitting outside waiting until somebody would come with a key and eventually they just they gave us a key and like hey you guys are always here <clears throat> and uh, once that happened you know we would get in the ring and really just roll around and chain wrestle and stuff for a good two hours one to two hours every day before class even started you know and we just got to know each other super well inside that ring. Uh, helped each other out a lot outside too. You know, Hanson was uh, always had some weight issues back in the day. You know, he's a bigger guy now, but he was uh, he's a lot much uh, much better put together now. And you know, I helped him out with dieting and stuff, where he might help me out with different things in the ring. Uh, there was a point where his car broke down, and uh, I would drive. 45 minutes out of the way every night, you know, to drop them off on my way home from class. Just because it was one of those things where I don't know, man, it's like, uh, it was like a brotherhood, you know? And uh, eventually we kind of parted ways. You know, I went to WB for a little bit and he stayed back home in chaotic. And uh, after that, you know, it's, uh, I had knee surgeries. He had a, a surgery on his shoulder that put him out for almost a year. So it was like we, for the last, I'd say, five years or so, we were we weren't really in the same circle, you know. We kept tabs on each other, of course, but it's just we weren't in the same places until finally he came to Ring of Honor. And from that point on, it's like I don't know. It's like uh, you know, you bump into an old best friend, and sometimes it just uh, picks up right where it left off. It was kind of like that, you know. We uh, now that we're back in Ring of Honor together, we, we tend to travel together a lot again, and uh, it's it's good, man. It's good to have one of. Uh, you don't get a lot of friends in the wrestling business. A lot of people you can trust. And he's one of those guys, you know, I could trust him with anything. Last year in Philadelphia, I was at the uh, 12th anniversary show, and it was really my fo- first exposure to Hanson. I mean, I've, I've been going to shows for a while. I'm like, wow, this guy, you know, he, as soon as I see him, he strikes me. And I'm like, wow, this guy's got something. You know, he's a big dude, almost like, um, for to, you know, for a second, I'm like, this guy could be like the next Mojo, big guy, agile, great in the ring. Can you talk about that match you had at the 12th anniversary show last year? Is, is that when we took each other on a, a singles match for the TV title? Is that right? Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So I don't. I don't have the greatest memory, but uh, I, I I remember I, I enjoyed the match. I just remember going into it thinking because uh, I think he would just come off winning the top prospect tournament, and he had a yeah. great showing in the in the finals with uh, Andrew Everett, who from all intents and purposes I hear is, is just about back to, to getting in the ring. So that's another guy to look out for. He's an awesome, awesome flyer. But uh, so, yeah, Hanson had already had a good showing. So people started to kind of buzz about him, about, hey, we might have something here. And 
I mean, it just worked out perfectly that we got to work on a pretty big stage together, especially with that Philly crowd. Philly's such a tough crowd always, you know? And I kind of view it as this is great because uh, last time I was in Philly, before that, I believe was, it might have been the match I had with Adam Cole there or maybe whatever it was, I just knew I, I had a good showing in Philly. And I felt like, okay, I, I might have this crowd on my side here. But for Hanson, this is his first time there. And I just was like, this what a perfect opponent for him because we knew each other so well. And we've always had great chemistry in the ring. So I just figured, hey, this is a time to to let him, you know, show the world exactly what he can do. I knew I was going to be in for a good fight. And uh, I was really happy with that match. One thing, you know, it's one of those things where I feel like uh, – if down the line we get a little bit more time together, more singles matches together, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think people will still be shocked because back uh, on the independent scene when we were doing chaotic and stuff, you know, we would go for 20, 25 minutes quite a bit. And I think the match in Philly was only about 10 or 12 minutes. So I really, we only kind of tipped the iceberg on that one. And uh, there's, there's so much he's capable of and so much we're capable of together. And so, Philly meant a lot to me because I felt like uh, I remember specifically at the end of the match, uh, I, I believe I won with uh, my project champ, a finisher. And at the end of the match, I just remember shaking his hand and letting the crowd kind of acknowledge him and, and listening to the crowd kind of erupt for him and, and give them their, you know, hats off was, was awesome for me because, you know, even though we had a match at the end of the day, we're, we're still best friends. And to see that crowd acknowledge his, his worth was really cool for me. Yeah, so awesome. you just you, you mentioned briefly, um, you know, that you headed to WWE and you signed a developmental contract in uh, 2007. Uh, could you tell us about that experience? And uh, I know you you weren't there for particularly long, um, but how did that all go? Uh, headed to OVW when you signed? Yeah, I didn't have the the best experience uh, at the time, and, and I think a lot of it just had to be with preparation and not being prepared. Uh, when I got signed, I was 21, and I had been wrestling for about two years. And while I was picking things up, I still was very sheltered. You know, I didn't, I didn't have any world experience. I didn't really even have much experience in the country. You know, I, I was doing a lot in New England, but I wasn't really traveling elsewhere. So uh, I was pretty limited. And I was living, uh, I lived at home with my parents uh, up until that point when I when I moved out to Kentucky for OBW. So just even as far as not just wrestling experience, but life experience, I was really limited. And uh, it was like a culture shock for me kind of going out to Kentucky. You know, all of a sudden you live in an apartment all by yourself. And uh, it was a land of giants down there, uh, you know, especially for a 21-year-old kid. You know, it was a lot of just bigger guys who were grown men, you know. They were they were really comfortable with themselves and they're confident in their abilities. And I don't know that I had that confidence at that time. Uh, so yeah, I, I was only down there for about six, six or seven months. I think it was, uh, never really got the ball rolling. You know, I had a lot of, uh, mishaps, you know, when I got down there, <clears throat> I think it was my third or fourth match in, I had, uh, tore ligaments in my ankle taking just a, it was something stupid. You know, I took an atomic drop and, just when I landed, my ankle rolled the wrong way. And I was in doing physical therapy and stuff for about four months. 
so really I was down there for six or seven months. I think I only wrestled for about two months of it, a little bit in the beginning and, and maybe six weeks at the end. And the rest of the time I was managing. And uh, by the time I got cleared to get back in the ring, I really didn't get anything going, you know, before I got released. Uh, so it just, it just wasn't a, it just wasn't overall a good experience. It was one of those things where, Part of me can look back on it and say, oh, maybe I wouldn't be where I am today without it. But I don't know. I, I never use a negative energy like that to drive me. I've never, literally never once have I thought to myself in the gym or in a ring or going to a show that I'm going to prove anyone wrong. Or I, I don't, It's just one of those things where, to be honest, they were right to release me. Uh, they were wrong to hire me. <laughs> you know, it was, I was kind of in the right place at the, at the right time to get hired because uh, at the time uh, I had gone to a couple camps that they did. Uh, it was uh, Mike Bucci Nova at the time that was doing a lot of hiring. And I had been to like three of his camps in a matter of two months and sent in some eight by tens and stuff and dropped some stuff off. And I was, you know, in great shape. And uh, they suddenly were doing this movement where they were looking for cruiserweights. And realistically, you know, I'm, I don't know. I mean, while I was small at the time, I, I wasn't the cruiserweight they were looking for. They were looking for like guys like Ray Mysterio and Seidel, you know, and I just think they hired me based off look. And I don't think they had a clue of what I did in the ring. And then, you know, I getting down there and not being a flyer that, that didn't help me either. There were so many things against me right from the get go that uh you know just it was one of those things where at this point I, I i chalk it up to experience put it behind me and uh i really my goal was to kind of just go out there afterwards and reinvent myself and that's exactly what i've done you know, i've had shoot it's been what almost eight years now since i've been signed so uh i think a lot of people don't even realize that i was signed and uh i kind of like it that way you know it's, it's kind of like uh, when daniel bryan had you know this recent run at that time, I remember hearing that he was signed years ago, and I had no idea that he was. And it sounds like maybe we had similar experiences to some extent, you know. Uh, got signed too young and then went out there and built up a name for ourselves, and that's exactly what I feel like I'm doing right now. Yeah, you've definitely uh, built up a name for yourself. I mean, you, in 2011, you won the legendary ECWA Super 8 tournament. Um, about a year ago, year and a half ago, um, you were in the Battle of Los Angeles, the um, infamous TWG's tournament. I mean, you've you've done a lot. You won the ROH TV title. I mean, you've you've done you know a great amount in your career. Do you have a favorite match or maybe a favorite moment of your career? Maybe the match is. Uh, I guess I, I I'm sure it would be like multiple stuff. Uh, one one thing that stands out to me a lot is um, is this past Bola for PWG uh, because I. You know, I debuted two bowlers ago, and uh, and then my first year with PWG, I wasn't on every show. I was on most, uh, but I was trying to find where I fit in. You know, uh, it's it's a great crowd there. It's an amazing atmosphere. Uh, the competition is just through the roof, and uh, it's a a big game at PWG. I think it's just uh, you you want to get the people on your side, of course, but. You also got to figure out what your role is in that in that company, you know, on that stage, and that's what the first year for me really was. It was a lot of kind of figuring out where I fit in. And this past Bola, you know, the first round match I had with Galgan, 
um, that response that we had from the crowd at the end of that match was just crazy. And then two days later, we had a 10-man tag with, uh, I don't know if infamous is the right word, but I'll go with it, uh, the slow motion spot, you know. And it was just one of the most fun times I've ever had in a ring. Uh, you know, I had seen uh, a guy named Madman Manson at Preston City do slow-mo wrestling. And I know Shikara, people in Shikara have done it, I've heard. But I saw this guy Manson do it live and was just blown away. I thought, man, this is so funny. And that was a couple of years ago. And I, all I kept thinking is, you know, right place, right time. This, this could definitely put this in my back pocket. And, uh, you know, then maybe a couple months before BOLA, uh, I, I had a match with uh, Mike Bennett uh, for Northeast Wrestling. And it was one of those real fun shows with a real fun crowd. And we wanted to do something different. So we kind of stole a page from Madman Manson, and uh, it went incredibly well. And that night, I just remember thinking, man, if I ever get to bring this to PWG, it's going to be a huge hit. And it was like the perfect time to do it. You know, 10 guys who were all pros, who were all fantastic with so many different personalities. Then put on top of it, Willie Mack had his, uh, his uh, a really emotional speech at the end of the match. That, that weekend for me was like, it was really, uh, I don't know, it was like a weight lifted off my shoulder. Like I kind of finally f- figured it out where I was like, okay, I sit in here and I know my spot and I know where I belong. Uh, but there's so many of those, you know, there's a, a match actually in ring of honor really recently and, uh, and Dayton that we had, it was myself and Hanson ended up tagging versus Mike Bennett and Matt Taven and Todd Sinclair was the referee. And here's five guys who literally all came up together, you know, to some extent, Hanson, myself and Todd Sinclair all came from the same exact school at the same exact time, uh, while Taven and Bennett, were training at the same time, but at a different place, only you know within an hour away. So we we all were on the same loops for years growing up, and to to think ten years later we're all in the, in a Ring of Honor ring and the match went really well. At the end of the match, the crowd was chanting, "That was awesome!" Standing on their feet, and it was just one of those moments where you know, you, you just look at the guys in the ring and you think like, oh, "Shoot, man, we." we we did something really special here, not just the match, but just the journey to get to that spot and to, to share it together. It was like, I, it was real special. It was real cool. So I, I, I think it's, for me, it's more stuff like that. It's more stuff that to me is a, a personal victory as opposed to, Oh man, this match was flawless or this match, I, you know, went just as I planned it out in my head. Uh, I think it's more meaningful when there's some sort of like uh, journey to it, you know, or some sort of story behind it. Yeah, and speaking of journey, this come uh, this Sunday, the Ring of Honor pay per view live in Las Vegas, Nevada, from the Orleans Hotel and Casino. You've got that journey uh, sitting right in front of you, and hopefully, you can accomplish the goal of becoming the Ring of Honor Heavyweight Champion. Uh, Tomasa, we really, really appreciate you uh, coming on the show tonight. And uh, if you have anything out there that you want to plug, uh, any social media or any events coming up, please feel free. Oh, yeah, man. I appreciate it. Uh, on Twitter, I'm uh, Project Champa. Uh, Champa is C-I-A-M-P-A. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, uh, just under my, my name, Tommaso Champa. 
Uh, and I have a website, projectchampa.com. Uh, T-shirts and merch and all that stuff is on there. Uh, and then, you know, anytime you see Ring of Honor in town near you, obviously I will uh, I will be doing my best to uh, to hopefully be headlining future cards to come as the Ring of Honor World Champion. That's the goal. It's like you said, man, it's, it's the journey. And that's the part of this match that means the most. It's uh, it's not about being the best wrestler in the world for me at this point in this stage. It's about knowing that the ten year journey took me to this place. And I, I've said it in the past, man, but just taking that title home, uh, the idea of taking it home to my wife, to my my parents, to my family. And it's, it's like this acknowledgement that like every bump and sacrifice and missed wedding and missed birthday party and everything else, like it, it's worth it, you know? And to the idea of being the ring of honor world champion for a company that's hotter than it's ever been and is the purest wrestling company in the world. And it's just on fire. And to be the head of that, that's something that, you know, I, I don't take lightly. I'm prepared for the opportunity and hopefully come March 